This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Most doctoral dissertations don't turn into popular culture. They are created by and for the world of academia. But that's not the path that Julian Saperiti took. In 2012, the indie rock musician stopped touring to pursue a PhD in American studies at Brown University. He focused on the history of trans-Pacific musical cultures, the back and forth influences between the US and Vietnam, Japan, the Philippines, and other Asian countries. In addition to the standard footnoted version of a dissertation, Sapridi created a documentary film, podcasts, an immersive multimedia concert project, and albums, all based on turning the history he was uncovering into songs and stories for the rest of us. He called the overall project No-No Boy. This week, he's releasing a new No-No Boy album. It's called Empire Electric. It is a sonically rich, genre-hopping collection that marries autobiographical lyrics with elements from Oregon's own Japanese-American history. Julian Saperiti joins us now along with his co-producer and wife, Emilia. It's great to have you on the show and right here in studio. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a blast. I thought we could start with the song. Western Empress uh, is one of a few different Oregon-centric songs on this new album. What should we know before we hear it? You should know that there's a very visitable place called the Gresham Pioneer Cemetery from where we sit today. And in that cemetery, there is a very important tree, a Japanese cedar tree. And this was planted uh, to commemorate the, the uh, to mark the space where uh, Mio Iwakoshi, who was a first Japanese settler in Oregon, came over in 1880 with her um, Scottish husband, Andrew McKinnon. It was planted to mark her grave because when she died, like a lot of places in Oregon, it was a whites only space. And it was only years later when her headstone marking that she was a first Japanese settler um, was erected there. You know, but she's she's buried there and she was sort of buried secretly. And it was such a powerful story. Right. And also just for me as an Asian American walking around the Oregon woods all the time, rethinking who this landscape has always belonged to. Obviously, the native history, but many different kinds of people, including this woman who came over and started a sawmill in Gresham. So that's what this song's about. It's just about her, her adopted daughter, Tama, and her husband, Andrew, coming over from Japan. And uh, her nickname was the Western Empress. So it goes like this. Oregon Nikkei, first of the forest, steam-powered sawmill town. Patience and patience now. Samurai plowshare, old Nagasaki The Scotsman makes funny sounds Turning the language round Learning enough for asking her out Rafts made of hardwood, wide as the river Orient Girls confound Like monarchs on frozen ground Me, oh, buried Andrew's body Gresham, pioneer Tama and the Kyoto salesman Married earlier last year 
pose for a photo. Oh, how the years go, flanked by two grandsons proud, jewels and a modest gown. But long for the islands, welcome the workers, burnish a simple crown. Patience and patience now. Patience and patience now. Akujin, love a baby. Let's go. Trailblazed in timbers down. Fifty years before the expo, Western Empress brought 'em underground. Me, I said I crossed the ocean for you, fool. I ain't leaving now. Bearing me. Japanese, Japanese cedar tree. Bury me, Japanese cedar tree. That's my guest Julian Sabrini, who performs as No No Boy with his partner Amelia. Who has brought a lot of other sounds to this, uh, including some sampled birds that we'll get to, uh, and percussion and keys. So I'm curious, Julian, what your process was from learning about this woman's story to inhabiting it in your own way and then turning it into a, a song in your own words. What's your process for that? Well, I think it starts with the songwriting、um, because that's that's my、uh, that's the way I know the world. That's what I did. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. My dad was in the music industry, so I grew up around country music and my dad's record collection, classic boomer folk rock stuff. And so I was just in my blood, you know, just from high school on, been making records. So that was the way I knew how to relate to people, right? So when they said. Turn this history research stuff you're doing into a dissertation. It didn't make sense for me to like have to learn a whole new form, like this laborious, very jargony dissertation writing. So I always thought like, well, let me communicate the way I've always communicated. But now I have some more interesting things to say. And so for this song in particular, so sometimes people will ask me to write songs out of、uh, interesting histories. And so this was this guy Win who plays with Portland Tyco. He actually asked me to write something about Mio Iwakoshi. So. I went through all the archives that the Oregon Historical Society had.、Uh, Place-based research is really important to, me, important to me, so I started writing out at the cemetery where Mio is buried. Visiting Amelia and I went out there、uh, during COVID, kind of just got out and sang under that tree and like captured sounds of the space. And so it's that kind of combination of place-based research and then archival know-how,、um, and then also. You know, I have to have some kind of connection, right? And I'm not Japanese American; I'm Vietnamese American, but I do sort of look more like Mio Iwakoshi than the average person. And to also be someone who quite frequently inhabits forests and mountains, I'm a big outdoors person. Stories of people like that, right? Who who also have wandered these landscapes. 
it's an interesting way to time travel and put yourself in those shoes. So, yeah, place, history books, all that stuff. It makes for cool songs. Hmm. We heard some samples of a recording of birds in that. Um, there's a lot of water in this mm-hmm. album as well and, and other nature sounds. Where did all of those come from? Yeah, most of them come from my field recorder. As I would go out and do field work and visit these sites that are historically important, I also wanted to capture the sounds of these places. Sometimes that results in really heavily manipulated banging on an old barrack floor, barbed wire, and turning that into a drum set or something. But on this album, there's a lot more manipulations of the ambient natural sounds, right? So a lot of times the same birds that were singing 120 years ago are still singing today, and I love capturing that, like hmm. the dark-eyed junco in the park or some kind of warbler or chickadee, and, and then manipulating those, pitching them down or pitching them up, and you get these interesting instruments you can play on the keyboard. Um, and so even when we play live, although it's a much reduced setting than what I can do in the studio with all my instruments, Amelia's over there triggering um, you know, sounds from that very tree and the birds that sang and the wind and the sounds of the ocean for other songs, you know, to help us put sound back into history, so to speak. Do you feel that? I mean, when like when you were playing just now, I mean, and and those sounds are triggered, does it bring you back to the place? It brings me back to not necessarily the place specifically. Sometimes it does, but to a different place than just the stage or the studio, right? So maybe almost like a third space where it's like, I'm on a plane with the history that I know um, and the place where that history happened. That's mm-hmm. kind of what these sounds trigger in my ear when we hear those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's listen to a track from the album. We're going we're gonna to hear Mekong Baby. What do you want us to know before we hear the, the, the first minute or so of it? Well, I think this is kind of the sonic idealization of what we're talking about. It's It was recorded... Uh, almost completely live at the State Park Tryon over by Amelia's law school, Lewis and Clark. Where Just I, three miles from where we are right three now. Three miles from where we are. I spent a lot of time there because we have one car, so I'll drop Amelia off at law school, and then I'll go make field recordings in the park, or just I love birding, or just get my hike in and stuff like that. And so a lot of times I'll bring a portable sampler, a synthesizer with me, just record what's around me, turn those, again, bird sounds, like pitch them down, turn them into instruments, playing on the keyboard, make chords out of them. In this song, I was by a creek, I was under these trees, and I was thinking about this, uh, the chorus is Sail Away, Mekong Baby, and that's the part of the world where my mom grew up in Saigon. So I think about her and her sister and her mother, these incredible women who had to leave Vietnam because of the war, but also thinking about just like, what it truly means to to be Vietnamese and Vietnamese American and not just focus on the trauma of the war, but all the beauty inherent to their existence, to everyone's existence and the agency they took to make life during such a difficult time. And so there are also samples of artillery fire in the background, which make up the rhythm. But juxtaposed on top of that are bird sounds and water and country sounds like my mom would have grown up with visiting her grandparents. So again, it's just using nature, using historical samples and then some pretty harmonies trying to make sense of uh, an interesting history. Hmm. Let's have a listen.
noted that even some of the quote-unquote American instruments on this album um, have histories that are more complicated than a lot of listeners may assume. What, what do you mean by that? Well, where I grew up, you know, it's like the home of country music and old time and bluegrass and stuff. Grew up going to a lot of barn dances, right? And um, hearing people playing Western Swing uh, down at some of the clubs. And in kind of the instruments that you'll see are banjo, um, you'll see pedal steel. So let's just take those two instruments, for instance, right? Banjo, a friend of ours on our label Folkways named Jake Blunt, he uh, has sort of made uh, a career recently out of like helping to illuminate that the banjo is actually an African instrument, African origins, right? It's through slavery and colonialism that it's brought over. Very similarly, the, the steel guitar is a Hawaiian instrument. It's a Pacific Island instrument, an invention. And I loved it growing up. I loved the the form of the pedal steel guitar. It's so beautiful and sad and never really sticks on one note. And I only realized when I was getting a degree in ethnomusicology years later that this is actually an you know what they call AAPI instrument, invention, hmm. right? And so between that and then something like using a tom-tom in a drum set, that's a from the Chinese tom-tom that was brought over to sort of like um uh, be added on to the more mili- European military bass drum and snare drum that ultimately became our drum kit in America, right? It's all of these instruments woven together by imperialism and migration and globalization. And I think that's absolutely fascinating once you sort of give historical credit to where these things come from. Hmm. A lot of the songs in this album, there's they there's some break in them or some big change. And the, the, the version that we just heard of Western Empress, mm-hmm. um, it was more acoustic than the one on the album where yeah. two thirds of the way through, um, drums and electric guitar come in. You have another one, Jakarta, where there's two minutes of a kind of dreamy background and found sound feel. And then then your lyrics start. Um, yeah. And then you, eventually you go back to the that sort of dreamy part for the, the last part. Why do you think you're drawn to these hybrid songs, each one of which can contain a couple different parts? I think because what songs, going back to when I was an academic, I guess I still am a little bit, I tore too much to teach full time, but in my academic training, I found that the prose that we put out in our books or our our peer-reviewed articles, a lot of times just have to hammer home an argument. So they can't quite capture the multiple truths held in any history at the same time the way a song can. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about for me is like the song or the recording's ability to juxtapose, like in Mekong Baby, samples of uh, American artillery fire sort of underneath beautiful water sounds from a state or from a national park in Vietnam or the sounds of Tryon Creek that I was recording live. All of these things exist at once in my own Vietnamese-American identity, right? It's very complicated. I'm a hybrid person myself, so hybrid musicality, I think, is a very good way to do that. And that's what recordings can allow you to do if you stretch beyond just the instruments and the tonalities in front of you and just maybe branch out a little bit. Hmm. Can we hear another song? Absolutely. You've called Little Monk the heart of this album. What do you mean by that? So Amelia was also at Brown with me. That's where we met. And when I was at Brown University getting my PhD, my thinking got really deep. 
as, as it should. Otherwise, I would have gotten kicked out. Um, that's what PhDs do, I guess. But I also realized my thinking had never been more narrow. I had never been more narrow-minded than when I was engaging in this like really dense, very politicized history of war, trauma, race, all this kind of stuff. And I wanted to, I guess, like refresh. And so we went to one of Thich Nhat Hanh, this Buddhist um, Vietnamese guy's uh, monasteries in America called Blue Cliff in upstate New York. His books had been very important to me from when I lived in Wyoming and I was kind of a dirtbag climber. I just would take his little books and read them at the bottom of crags and sort of became this thrift store Buddhist. So we went to <laughs> we went to his monastery for a week to sort of empty out, right? Because at Brown, this was the height of the Trump ascension. And so at a very liberal, lefty place like that, you know, it was protest every day, student protests every day about everything except for class, of course, since they're all one percenters. And um, I just I just wanted to be more down the middle. I'm a Tennessee guy. I lived in Wyoming, you know. I like Oregon partially because it has a diversity of political thought. I'm a very liberal person, but I grew up in places where compromise had to happen. And there's no better place than a Buddhist monastery to get back to that because they're all about this middle path thing. So that's what this song is about. It was written shortly after we left the monastery, holding multiple truths at the same time, having real deep empathy for other people's opinions, believing in things like restorative justice, not just cutting people off automatically and seeing if there's like a more middle pathway that I, at least I can go through my life. Let's have a listen. So it's the end of the world Once again, what is it this week? Protest over this, riots over that Do you remember at the monastery When the outraged child cried And little monk just sweetly smiled back Oh how and when do I get so zen? Light the way from your small apartment. Quiet days, worry within your reach. Tend your garden, do not harden at the cruel and constant spinning of your mind's demand. Tip for a good heart Be where your feet are now So it's the end once again Of the world the sophomore's belly ache And demonstrate over everything but class Red suns and ash cover half the state of California Little monk just meditates, slowly walks the path I can't control what I can't control Light the way from your small apartment Quiet days Worry within your reach Tend your garden Do not harden At the cruel and constant spinning Of 
your mind's demands Pro tip for a good heart Be where your feet are Now 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 So it's the end of the world But I don't feel so anxious this week Drawing canvas backs Sitting on the grass Watch as they sweep the parks Trash the tents while it's still dark Though once I lived out of a car I wouldn't say I'm mad To have the sidewalk back Little Monk by the No-No Boy, otherwise known as Julian Saperiti. We just have time to hear a little bit more about this album. The, the last track on it is called 1603. What's the significance of that date? 1603 is a date that I think should be a starting point for any Asian American history course in any Oregon public school. So my buddy, the cool thing about being a historian, one of the very few cool things about being a historian, <laughs> is that you get to meet these geniuses who are digging up stuff that no one ever knew before or had forgotten and no one you know alive had ever known. And so Diego texted me one day. He did his PhD with me at Brown. He's a professor in Boston now. And he texted me. He's like, hey, dude, like the first ship that ever saw the coast of Oregon, like non-native discovery of Oregon, was a ship in 1603. And there were seven Asian dudes on the crew list. I just found the crew list in Sevilla in Spain in this archive. We got to go there. Check it out. Because this is 200 plus years before Lewis and Clark, before the Oregon Trail's even an idea, right? These foundational mythologies of manifest destiny and sort of the building of the iconography of the West in America. And to know that there was guys from India or the Philippines on this ship, you know, a lot of them brought over as slaves. And not just on this voyage, but the entire Spanish galleon trade was mostly populated by Asian folks. And these are the first Asians in the Americas. It completely pushes back the start date for Asian American history to the 1500s, 300 years before these Chinese miners and railroad folks, right? So I had to put that into a song, and uh, that's what 1603 is about. Julian Sepperiti, thanks so much. Absolutely. Julian Sepperiti is a songwriter and project creator for No No Boy. Empire Electric is the new album. It is coming out at the end of this week. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We will be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva. The Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation.